Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can also find the show on Twitter at LockedOnLeafs. We are officially a week into uh, this coronavirus pandemic, which has taken a toll on sports. Seven days in a row now without hockey, without sports. Uh, with no end in sight. Uh, just a quick update. Last time I spoke to you earlier in the week, uh, there were no positive cases that were announced quite yet in the NHL. That has now changed. Just to update you, we have one positive case that has been found in Ottawa. Uh, I guess they've chosen to be unidentified as that the name of the player hadn't been released. And, you know, I respect that. If you don't want to release that type of medical information, you, you don't have to. I, I saw a lot of people online kind of clamoring tell us who it is who is it we want to know but at the end of the day it's none of your business and as long as they go into self-isolation um then uh then that that's fine with me that being said if this is a player who isn't in isolation and is out there in the public people may want to know if that's the case but uh they said that he's going to be isolated um he's isolating himself so uh so that kind of puts an end to that uh, that argument. Um, so the interesting thing about that, though, is that the Senators were in Los Angeles the night that the NHL, or the night before the NHL uh, suspended operations, before they put a pause on the season, which at this point, a pause uh, might be a very light word for what it looks like is coming down the pipe here. But uh, anyways, so they were in LA the night before... The Lakers hosted the Nets. Now, the Nets had four positive tests in the NBA, one including Kevin Durant, uh, which is very public. The other three, uh, I don't believe those names have been released, but Durant came out and said that he had tested positive. Uh, But that being said, so I think it's a good indication that that could be where the Senator player got it from. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm... fairly certain that they share the same facilities uh, as, as the visiting team at Staples Center. If not, they probably stay at the same hotel that most teams stay at when they're staying at the Staples Center. Uh, so they could have got at the hotel, uh, at the at the, at the the Staples Center, during the, the using the facilities. Who knows? Um, we're just lucky that only one player, as of now, did contract the virus uh, from the Senators because... You know, you, you would think that the whole team would have been pretty susceptible to it. If one player got it from the Nets, then could have thought that everyone else got it. But perhaps it didn't come from the Nets. Maybe that's just a coincidence, you know. Everyone's just kind of drawing, trying to dot the lines there. And that could be, uh, that could just be, you know, false information. So I, I'm not saying that's where he got it from, but that is a possibility considering that there were four positive tests from the Brooklyn Nets the night before uh, were in the building. Um, other than that, you know, kind of status quo, not much more information coming down. Um, Gary Bettman keeps kind of doing the rounds, but he just keeps kind of spewing all the same stuff that he was spewing the other day coming out saying, you know, we, we, we want to continue hockey this season. We don't want to have to cancel the year. We want to reward the Stanley cup, but we want to do it in a, in, in a right manner that holds the integrity of the game. You know, I don't think that they want to do like a March madness playoff ask just do it quickly i don't think they want to have it dumbed down i don't think that they want to cut it down to a, a you know go straight into playoffs right when they get back so i don't know there's a lot of things that they got to figure out obviously 
But the thing is, we just don't know. You know, there's no end in sight. There's no end date. Uh, as of now, I think the, the, the eight weeks that they put in for this minimum 50-person-plus uh, gathering um, will be in, in place until mid-May. So that at the very earliest, we're looking at mid-May. But that's that's even that's not likely because cases just seem to keep skyrocketing as we go, if, if I'm being you know totally honest here. Um, also, you know, try and get yourself, if you're not, just try and be a little, a little bit informed, you know, watch the news, uh, go, go and, and read up on this virus and just to make sure that you're being safe and taking all the precautions necessary. Um, I know that day by day, more people are starting to jump onto the bandwagon of, of self-isolation, which is great. Um, me and my family have done that. You know, I kind of came back to, uh, to Niagara where, where I was from and, and I'm, you know, sticking with my family during the through the duration of this uh, self-isolation period, I suppose, uh, that, that it's now being called. Um, but that being said, you know, just keep washing your hands and uh, try and stay out of public places as much as possible. Obviously, you know, going out for, for walks, walking the dog, going out in the, in the driveway, shooting pucks uh, at your garage or into the net or shooting hoops, that, that's totally fine. Um, even if you need to go out, just make sure that you're cautious. You know, I've seen people wearing rubber gloves or, or, or winter gloves out at the grocery stores just to just make sure that they don't contract the virus and then, uh, you know, get home and, and wash those gloves and make sure you sanitize and Purell uh, all the time. So just make sure that you're being safe with this thing. I think we've we've now hit the point where this is a serious, serious uh pandemic that everyone's starting to really realize is much more dangerous than was originally uh, thought to be um so we're gonna take a quick break and then coming up on the other side i thought uh instead of talking about covid19 forever like we've been doing the past few episodes let's talk about something else let's actually talk about the leaves let's talk about something that happened in the league um, this season, so I came up with uh, a list. It's a top five storylines of the 2019-2020 season up until uh, this point. So obviously, I think the number one dominating storyline is the fact that the NHL has been stopped due to the coronavirus. But outside of that, clearly, uh, I have five storylines um, of the season that I've kind of compiled here from five to one. And, uh, and I'll discuss those, and we'll get to that after this. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano here with you. So, the 2019-2020 Maple Leaf season, it was an interesting one. Let me tell you that. it's It's been, technically it's not over, so I don't want to say it was. It, it is an interesting one. It has been an interesting one to this date, um, culminating in this big hiatus that we got to take midseason. But even before we had to take a break, you know, there was a lot, a lot of storylines of this, of this Maple Leafs team. And you know, it's the Maple Leafs. There's news every single day. This team is under so much scrutiny. There, there's so much media attention garnered by this team all the all the time. Not only by me, but by you know, by TSN, by Sportsnet, by the Athletic, by Yahoo, by anybody who writes about sports in Canada has a pretty big focus on the Leafs, especially here in Toronto. Uh, that being said, um, I myself and. Eh, on behalf of Locked On Leafs, I have culminated my own little top five storylines of the season. And I think I'm going to go from five to one. 
So for five, I'm going to go with consistently inconsistent. I think that's been a major storyline here for the Leafs all season long. It's just the inconsistent of this team. You know, some weeks they looked unbeatable, and some weeks it really looked like they were uh, a, like they're not a playoff team. Like the fact that the mood could change from a week to week basis, where you know you sweep Florida one week and then you get swept in California the next, and it's just like how those are two different teams. It looks like out there on the ice. Like I don't understand why things are so different on a week-to-week basis. It, it really doesn't make sense to me. Um, you even look at the, the individual performances. Like Tyson Berry has been insanely inconsistent this season. Uh, he's been one of the biggest disappointments of the year, to be quite honest with you. He's shown flashes. He's looked really good in certain games. But he's also looked really bad in certain games. Uh, Morgan Riley, earlier this season, before he got injured, uh, was also very inconsistent on a, on a nightly basis. Granted, he was playing with Cody Cece, which I think probably we looked at him and, and didn't give him enough credit for his playing partner and why it seemed like they were giving up a lot of goals. I think it was because of his partner and he wasn't really uh, wasn't playing to his full potential. You know, Mitch Marner won a big scoring spell. You know, right before the the, the pause came, I think he had three in his last like twenty five games or something like that. So Marner really also has been kind of inconsistent in terms of goal scoring. Now, he's not a major goal scorer, but I still think that, you know, when you're talking about a player like Mitch Marner, you would think, yeah, he could score 30 goals a year. He has that type of skill. Um, and you saw that with the with the goal that he scored in uh, San Jose, I want to Yeah, San Jose between the legs. Uh, it was a beautiful goal. Like, he has that potential to go out there and score um, as many goals as he wants. Granted, he's a playmaker, and he's more inclined to set people up, which is great, which is why guys like Matthews have had an unbelievable season. You know, and earlier, you know, Tavares was doing well. Hyman is scoring at an incredible rate this year. Other than Hyman, actually. I think almost everybody has been fairly inconsistent uh, from a week-to-week basis, game-to-game basis for some guys. Um, Willie Nylander has been pretty consistent, I would say, this season. He's been one of the biggest bright spots this year. Uh, Matthews towards, you know, the, the second half of the year has been really good. I think, um, he's been more inconsistent in his own zone, um, in the offensive zone. So I think those three, I would, I would say have been the most consistent players for, uh, for the Leafs. Muzzin was pretty consistent for, for a good time there before he got injured. Uh, but other than that, a lot of inconsistencies on this team. Uh, All right, number four, and a big reason for the inconsistency of the Maple Leafs is because of number four, very injury plague season. And and I'm just talking about some random players. Like if you recall, Hyman missed the first six weeks after recovering from a torn ACL. Marner was out for quite some time. John Tavares was out for quite some time. Dermott missed the first bit of the season. Riley, Muzzin, Mikheyev, Freddie Anderson missed some time with that head injury right after we acquired Jack Campbell. So, or not after, actually, when we acquired Jack Campbell because of that injury. Um, But that being said, you know, just a lot of injuries to this team and a lot of people have had to kind of step up in places where they weren't supposed to and weren't expected to. Like... You know, a guy like Dermott with Riley and Muzzin out had, had to be thrusted up into the lineup and play some top minutes. You know, Sandine got called up from the minors. He had to play some pretty tough minutes. Um, who else? Justin Hall has had to be 
uh, a stalwart in the top four, and this is a guy who last season under Mike Babcock wasn't even in the lineup on a nightly basis. Like, I mean, he was healthy scratch, like 70 games last year. And this season, he's a top four for this team because of all the injuries and, and inconsistencies. So, um, you know, that, what I think, was a big, big reason uh, why the team was so inconsistent, too, just because they couldn't get anything going. Every time they would get a healthy body back, somebody else would get injured. Um, in total, there were 199 games uh, man games lost this season and counting since it's not over. And we have a lot of guys on IR. Andres Janssen also on IR. He's out for the year. That's also something that's going to be interesting. When things, if things, I would say, if things pick back up again, and I hope they do, um, the guys who are injured, this is a great opportunity for them to get healthy, to be back and ready to play. So, I mean, like in Toronto, let's say uh, Jake Muzzin would be a perfect example. He wasn't ready to come back yet, and they were saying he still probably needs another couple of weeks. Well, here's a couple of weeks and some that he's going to get to get healthy. Now, he's not going to be in shape right away because they're not able to skate because they're not playing, obviously, but he will be healthy and he'll be able to play right when they get back as opposed to having to go through this, this, uh, the last final stretch here without Jake Muzzin now they'll get him back you know Tampa same thing they'll have Steven Stamkos for the last little bit because he's going to be back uh and you know we're going to have that for many sports and many different things you know the Raptors for example they've been very injury riddled Norm Powell and Marcus Saul will be back um also if you are a big Raptors fan too and you listen to Locked On Leafs go check out Sean Woodley he's the Locked On Raptors broadcaster he does the lockdown raptors show every single day he's fantastic um just for that extra sports content that you might be looking for without the sports <laughs> um but uh yeah i think that the season in general has been very injury plagued and uh, it's been a big reason why the team hasn't had the stanley cup caliber success that i think we came into the year hoping that there would be all right uh number three i'm gonna go ahead and say the backup goaltending scenario for the longest time seems like for two years now that's been a huge talking point here in Toronto um the Leafs they went into this season with Anderson as a starter obviously and then they were hoping fans were hoping that they could get themselves another backup goaltender somehow whether it's through trade or via the waiver wire or signing somebody else uh they did bring in somebody in camp uh why can't i think of his name former philly goaltender neuverth michael neuverth so they did bring in michael neuverth in camp hoping that he could beat out um michael hutchinson but he ended up just not wanting to play, actually, and he got released from his PTO without even playing a game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the preseason. So that didn't work out, and we had to roll with Michael Hutchinson, who just got lit up like a Christmas tree every single time he was rolled out there. It was embarrassing. It was terrible. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, Mike Babcock, no matter what, still put him, no matter who the opponent was, uh, the strength of schedule, uh, it just didn't matter. It was Freddie gets night one and Hutchinson gets night two. And it wasn't fair because, you know, he gets the tired team in front of him. And at times it was very important games. You know, he got a couple of games against Montreal. He got a game against Boston. Like it, this was, you know, he got some really, really tough games. Um, but that being said, 
you're an NHL goaltender. Your job's to stop the puck, and he just didn't do it. And then finally, finally, after two years, the team finally got themselves a backup goaltender when they made the trade to bring in Kyle Clifford, and they also brought in um, Jack Campbell. So when Jack Campbell came in, uh, that kind of was a big sigh of relief. Finally, the Leafs have themselves a number two goalie to go behind Freddie Anderson. And if you feel the need that Anderson needs to take a couple of couple of games off in a row just to freshen him up a little bit, now you feel comfortable tossing in Campbell. And they did that when they were in L.A. You know, the three-game L.A. road trip, they gave Campbell two games, two out of the three. So Freddie only had to play one game that entire week. Um, and they were hoping that was to kind of keep him fresh for once the playoffs come around because there is that... Uh, that pattern that, you know, as Freddie approaches the 60-game mark in a season, his play starts to fall off, and they want to make sure that he's as fresh as possible for the playoffs. Um, and that was exactly what that trade was meant to do. So, you know, that was a big one. That was huge, bringing in uh, Jack Campbell. And the fact that he's also signed for the next two years, too, is is great. So they got a nice one-two punch for the next couple of seasons. Obviously, next season being uh, Freddie Anderson's final year before free agency now they may want to re-sign him but you know I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Jack Campbell maybe claiming the spot he's played really well I mean really well in the games that he's had to play now he's not Freddie Anderson Freddie Anderson is the better goaltender he's shown that he's the better goaltender but you know I don't know Campbell's never really had that opportunity to be a number one sometimes you need to get that opportunity to really shine for example freddie anderson when he was splitting starts in anaheim you know and then he comes over to toronto becomes a stud jacob markstrom he was splitting starts for a little bit and and then uh you know just took him a little bit to to become the number one elite goaltender that he finally became goaltenders take a little bit longer to develop and and to kind of come into their own i think jack campbell is just coming into his own now. I believe he's 27 years old. So I could see Jack Campbell pushing for maybe not taking the starter's role from Freddie Anderson, but pushing for more starts and alleviating some uh, some of the workload on Anderson, which is only going to benefit the Leafs, in my opinion. Uh, all right, number two. Let's go ahead and talk about that one uh, on the other side. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you at Mickey underscore Canuck on Twitter. Uh, so we've gone through the top five storylines of the 2019-2020 season. Number five came in with consistently inconsistent. Number four, a very injury-plagued season. And then number three, the backup goalie situation finally being solved with the, the Leafs bringing in Jack Campbell. And that leads us to the top two storylines or stories of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, Going to go with number two here, the E-Bug game. That's right, Mr. David Ayers coming in, saving the day for the Carolina Hurricanes uh, and getting the win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everybody remembers the story. Definitely going to go down as one of the one of the most memorable moments of the 2020 year, whether you're a Leafs fan, a hockey fan, uh, a sports fan, this was one of the most memorable things that I think uh, will come out of the 2020 sports calendar. Um, when the SBs roll around, if the SBs roll around, um, I wouldn't be surprised if David Ayers 
ends up getting some consideration for some type of award, whether it's, you know, best moments, uh, something. Um, but just thinking back on that game, it, it's it's incredible that that was only, what, three weeks ago-ish, three and a half weeks ago at this point. I think it seems like it was so long ago with, with everything that's gone on. It's been a long week. Um, it's been a long month. So, and since then, the Leafs swept Florida, and they got swept by California, and then the following week, there was no more hockey. So, like I said, the inconsistency was huge this year from a week-to-week basis. And, and it, you know, David Ayers would seem like the rock bottom of the year. Um now doesn't seem so bad considering I believe the rock bottom is the fact that we're no longer playing hockey. Uh, so everyone who was crying a few weeks back about the Leafs losing to the emergency backup goaltender, their, their Zamboni driver that they employ, that they pay to come and, and wipe their ice uh, every single day. Or Sorry, he's the rink manager technically, I believe, for the Marlies is his actual position. But... Um, it just seems so inconsequential when you consider the fact that three weeks later nobody's playing hockey, and now we're in this we're in this freeze. So it's just funny how uh, how sports fans really we get lost in the moment a little bit, and a moment like that, a game like that, you just feel like how could it get any worse? Um, but then real life actually kind of takes over and creeps into sports, and like oh right, yeah, it, it can get a lot worse. Uh, like right now so (laughs) but certainly that's that's one of the things that you're always going to remember about this season you know first and foremost the fact that the season stopped the fact that it it, it stopped midway um, due to the coronavirus outbreak and then the second thing you're going to remember about this season David Ayers the emergency backup goaltender for for Carolina who's employed by the Leafs that beat the Leafs um, in a playoff race at that Um, so that was that's number two and number one, uh, shouldn't come as a shock to you, but the coaching change. November 20th, 2019, the Toronto Maple Leafs announced that they had fired coach Mike Babcock after a 9-10-4 start to the season and were hiring Sheldon Keefe, the young up-and-coming coach from the Marlies that was basically handpicked by Dubas and everybody knew that at some point Keith was going to be the guy for the Leafs and he did and he's done it now um I went back and just kind of was interested to see all right let me do a comparison because I haven't really gone back and done a comparison I've done you know based on eye test they're playing a lot better um they're they're scoring more they're the you know, they're winning more, obviously, but let me go back and actually look at some of the other stats and see, you know, what the comparison is like under Babcock. So, um, based on points percentage, under Mike Babcock, the team was 25th in the league when he got fired. 25th. Yikes. Keep in mind that Toronto does not have their first round pick either. So, that's, that was concerning coming into, I'm pretty sure it's protected, but still. Um, it was concerning, definitely concerning. And it was, uh, he had to go, he lost the room. The players weren't playing for him. And that was evident on night one when you saw, uh, when Sheldon Keefe took over in that game against, uh, Arizona, where they just went gung ho, right? Like they, they just went all out and, uh, started playing out of their minds. So I think that, uh, 
that is definitely one of the biggest things that that you'll remember from this season as well as a Leaf fan specifically. Uh, also, let's take a look at the the rest of the things here. So the penalty kill much improved under Keith. So seventy three point one percent penalty kill under Babcock, eighty point nine percent penalty kill under Sheldon Keith. Um, now Babcock didn't have his his boy Zach Hyman for a lot of the time that he was the coach this year because he was injured for the first six weeks. So only had him for a couple of seasons or for a couple of weeks, and you know he's a big part of the penalty kill. So you can make that argument a little bit uh, for that case, but you can also say well. Keefe has missed Riley a lot, and he's missed Muzzin a lot, and that penalty kill is still up at 80%, and, you know, the defense are very important when you're killing off penalties, so, you know, it kind of evens out a little bit, too. Uh, Looking at the other side of the special teams, look at the power play. Babcock, 17.6%. Eh, that's okay. That's, like, slightly league average. Under Keefe, 26.4% on the power play. They're clicking, which is funny because I feel like over the last couple of weeks or the, the the last couple of weeks before things came to a stop, we were all complaining about the power play and how this team can't score on the power play. And if they can't get going on the man advantage, how are they going to win games? But when you actually look at it and you pull out 26.4%, not too shabby. They were doing all right. They were just in a little bit of a funk. Wasn't a big deal. But at the time, you know, we're very sometimes narrow focused on what's going on uh, on a week-to-week basis as opposed to, you know, the full season scope. They weren't doing too bad. Uh, Goals for and against. Again, Keith, much better. Goals against under Babcock, 3.43 goals against, worse in the league per game. Under Keith, still a little bit higher than I'd like, 3.04. But that's still 0.4 goals less per game under Keefe than Mike Babcock. And Babcock played a more defensively structured system and still allowed more goals. That's what I find, you know, quite hilarious is the fact that Babcock tried to, to dumb down the game and play a simple, structured, defensive-style game, and it still resulted in more goals against per game than Sheldon Keefe's offensive run-and-gun style. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. And then you look at what's going on um, for the goals, goals four, Keith 3.51 goals per game, Babcock 3.13 goals per game. So again, Keith in every single one of these categories has improved the team. So if they would have had Sheldon Keith for the whole season, I wonder how our thought process would have been with this team. Would we have been screaming about the inconsistencies as much as we did, you know, throughout the year? If we would have still been in a top ten team throughout the entire year, with a top end offense, a pretty good penalty kill, and then, I mean, obviously you you add in a solid backup goaltender. So, you know, going into the next season or continuing out this season, I guess. I think we're in pretty good shape. I think the coaching change was necessary, and it's going to come down as as you know Dubis's official stamp on the team when he made that coaching change, and it was like, okay, we're going all in. We're going to play our style. We've acquired the players that we want to play our style, 
and he's well. He, he even came out on interviews and said, "I'm willing to bet my career on it that this is going to work. What we're doing is going to work." So we'll see. I think uh, hopefully we do get more hockey this season, and it's not over for good. Hopefully we do get to see some sort of playoffs. Hopefully the Leafs make a long run, get healthy, and make a run. Hopefully that can happen. You know, they're quite rather young team, so it might not take them as long as other teams to to get their bodies warm again and get going. So I think that's something good that, that, that kind of goes in the Leafs' favor. But we'll see. We'll see if we end up playing some hockey. If not, you know, start up again next season and we'll see what happens. Because I, I like the team as a whole. I really do. You know, Mikhail will be back. Dermot will be back. Or, um, Mikhail will be back. Uh, Janssen will be back. Muzzin and hopefully this team, when healthy, look okay. They'll look okay. I think they still need some work on the back end. Get themselves another top four red shot defenseman. But other than that, I like the way that they're situated. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast and all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, and be sure, you know, go check out a lot of the other Lockdown podcasts that are that are out there today. You know, whether it's Lockdown uh, locked on Raptors. I know locked on, you know, the NFL, still tons of content going on in the NFL and each and every NFL team has their own locked on, uh, podcast themselves. So if you're a Bills fan, check out locked on Bills. If you're a Colts fan, locked on Colts, go check out what they're doing because, uh, as the NHL, the NBA and the MLB and all the rest of the sports world is on hiatus, the NFL offseason is still a go, and free agency kicked off uh, yesterday, and over the past couple of days, there's been a lot of news and a lot of trades and a lot of big stuff going on in the NFL, so those guys are certainly still going to be quite busy for the next little bit, so I encourage you uh, to go check out your favorite football team if you're a football fan. If not, I'll be here again tomorrow to chat with you about something that's going on in hockey. Maybe I'll start that uh, NHL 20 franchise mode commentary. Maybe we'll start that tomorrow. But uh, be sure to check back in. And uh, until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.